Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to the latest edition of the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, July 19th. We got episode 112 coming at you here. Oh boy, y'all. It's a big one. It's one I've been thinking about for a long time. I am excited about it. We got some soccer coming at you this week. And not any soccer we've talked about before, because... When I look back at all the times we've talked about soccer on this podcast, we've only talked about men's soccer, really. Well, I have lots of stuff to talk about with men's soccer, but I'm setting all of that aside this week. I pledge no men's soccer this week. We are shining a light on the women's game this week because it is their summer. It's their tournament. The Women's World Cup is taking place this month, this summer. This week, actually, the games begin on Thursday, so the day after this podcast comes out, and very early on Thursday, we're going to talk about all the times and where it is and all this stuff. We're going to break down everything that you need to know about the Women's World Cup, all 32 teams, who's going to win, like all the questions you have will be answered on this week's podcast. But before we get to that, just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast... If you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's podcast, if you've never listened to the Zaders Facts podcast before, first off, welcome. Thanks for listening. But also, you should follow this podcast on whatever podcast listening app you're listening to. Download this episode of the podcast, episode 112. Rate and review the podcast. And then check us out on all the socials, Twitter, threads. We're on threads. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok at Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts! That's what we call it around here, Xander's Facts Podcast, tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, if you don't know about that, it is called Xander's Weekend Facts, it's a recap of the week's top headlines, it comes out every Sunday morning from Substack, it is free, you can sign up in this episode's description below, check it out. You can also listen to any of our past episodes from the Zaders Facts podcast back from episode 1 to episode 111, wherever you get your podcasts, and also check out the Zaders Facts link tree because it has all the Zaders Facts links that you need for all the facts. There's so many of them. But if you want to check them all out, go to the Zaders Facts link tree that is also linked in this episode's description. So let's get to our main event this week on the podcast, which is previewing the Women's World Cup. We have made it, y'all, to another major soccer tournament. We're not talking about the men. Move aside, gentlemen. It is time to shine a light and talk about the ladies as they get set to play in the ninth ever edition of the FIFA Women's World Cup. This year's edition is taking place in the oceanic nations of Greymate, Australia, and New Zealand. And while the off-field controversies with these host nations definitely do not exist like the previous men's version, if you remember, we dedicated a whole segment of our podcast to that back when we previewed the Men's World Cup in November, Qatar, yeah, those, thankfully we don't have to do a segment about that on this podcast because those don't exist with Australia and New Zealand, but there are several national teams who are playing in this tournament who are fighting with their federations right now over what they believe is a lack of support. You know, definitely financially, but also in ways that go beyond financially. And we're going to point those out 
as we go through our breakdowns, because you may listen to some podcasts, they just talk about, oh, the big teams. We're obviously going to talk about the big teams. Some podcasts talk about them all, like this one, because we are talking about all 32 teams in this tournament. It's a newly expanded 32-team tournament. It was up from 24 teams previously, back in, like, 2019, just like the men's editions. The previous Men's World Cup last year was 32 teams. Of course, now it's going to be 48 in 2026, which is... Ugh. You know, whatever, I guess, that's happening. But that means that you have to finish in the top two of your group to advance. It is as simple as that. Previously, there were the top two teams in the group and then some third-place teams. We're not doing that anymore. It's the top two teams only who advance. Then, of course, as I said, it's Australia and New Zealand. So... You know, they're kind of like on a different time schedule. So the time difference for the matches isn't exactly ideal. Here on the East Coast of the United States, we've got matches that are set to go start about 9 o'clock Eastern until 8 or 9 a.m. Eastern, which means, of course, that we're going to get some middle-of-the-night Sakaru fests, which, um... Nope. Okay. I'll be up, though. Because we got a very important one coming up in a couple weeks at 3 a.m. Eastern, which I'm going to tell you about. 3 a.m., I know. But um, if you're a fan, you got to be watching, so I don't know. Drink some coffee, do whatever, I don't care, you got to watch. We're going to talk about all those, of course. And then we also have the one big question surrounding all of this tournament, which regards our wonderful ladies of the Stars and Stripes, the United States Women's National Team. Can the U.S. women win? their third consecutive Women's World Cup. 2015, they beat Japan in the final. 2019, they beat the Netherlands in the final. Can they become the only nation, men's or women's, to win their third consecutive Women's World Cup? Y'all, it may happen. And we're going to talk about why or why not that's going to happen on this podcast. So... Let's get to it, y'all. I'm excited because we're back to Summer World Cups. We're not doing any of this winter nonsense. We're in the summer. That means the World Cup's happening. And I'm excited not just because of that, but we're going to see some great soccer. We're going to witness it while we're half asleep in our beds at 3 a.m. in the morning. It's going to be amazing. So let's preview the 2023 Women's World Cup. All 32 teams. That means four teams in eight groups. We're going to go group by group here if you want to follow along, starting with Group A. Here we go! Which includes one of the co-hosts of this tournament. That would be New Zealand, the Football Ferns, who are ranked 26th in the FIFA rankings, which is actually the average FIFA ranking for this group. 26th, which is 5th out of the 8 groups. And the Ferns, they are looking to not just get out of the group for the first time. It's their 6th World Cup, their 5th straight. But they're still looking for their first ever win in the World Cup. They've never won a game in the World Cup. They're the only nation to have done so with at least five World Cup appearances. They're also the only nation to have not made it out of the group with at least five World Cup appearances. This is their sixth now. And they don't have a domestic league. So all their players, if they want to play professionally with a club, they have to play internationally. That includes their captain and fullback, Ali Riley. And in order to win a game, They're going to have to score goals, of course. So you've got attackers Hannah Wilkinson and Michelle Heyman, both of whom actually scored 20 more goals in the last two years in Australia's A-League, which is their top women's league, which is going to be key. 
Earlier this year, we kind of got a test for New Zealand, and for the U.S. too, because the U.S. played New Zealand in a couple of friendlies in New Zealand. U.S. won those 4-0 and 5-0. Actually, New Zealand hasn't played in a match that was not a friendly since February of 2022, when they played in the She Believes Cup in the U.S. So, um, they, they got their work cut out for them, because they are facing the top-ranked team in the group, which is Norway. Also known as the Grasshoppers, they are the clear favorites in the group, the first of seven nations we are going to talk about, who have qualified for all nine Women's World Cups. They won it back in 1995, but they haven't advanced past the quarterfinals since 2007. And in the European Championships last summer in 2022, they did not get out of the group probably because they lost 8-0 to England, which was a little rough. They've managed results a bit better since, and they have a lot of talent, especially playing in England's Women's Super League, which is their top women's league, including Mirangeldi and Gururitan at Chelsea and Arsenal's Freedom Manum. But Barcelona's Caroline Graham Hansen, who won last season's UEFA Women's Champions League, by the way, if you didn't know, had 11 shots, including five on target, in Norway's 2019 World Cup match against Australia, which was the most for a single player in a knockout match in the last three Women's World Cups. They faced New Zealand in the first match of the tournament, and they have won their last seven opening matches in the World Cup. I would probably say make it eight. We'll see. We're going to go over... When we get to the group and we're going to make our own group predictions, we're going to go over the schedule for all these group games. But the other half of this group includes the Philippines, also known their team as the Filipinas. This is their first World Cup. They're 46th in the world, and they come from the Asian Federation. So in last year's AFC Asian Cup, the Philippines actually made the semifinals for the first time ever. They fell 2-0 to South Korea, who made the final. Meaning, you won't just be able to slide by the Filipinas in Group A. They could be a tough out. They're also very young. They've got a couple players who are playing at college here in the U.S. You've got players playing at West Virginia, Georgetown, Stanford, and 16-year-old Isabella Pacion is even attending high school near Dallas. So, they got some young players who might see the pitch. And only one Asian side, by the way, has ever won their first ever World Cup match, because this is the Philippines' first ever World Cup. That was China back in the first ever World Cup, first game, 1991. They were the hosts. It's a fact. Philippines are not the hosts. They face Switzerland in their first match. Switzerland, who are the last team in Group A. It's just their second World Cup. Their other one was in 2015. They fell to the host, Canada in the round of 16 back in 2015, and their captain for this tournament, Leah Waltzie, suffered an ankle injury for Arsenal back in May. She should be ready to go for the World Cup, hopefully, however, for the 20th-ranked Lanati, as they are known. They've got a new manager, Inca Grings, who is looking to reinforce attacking play for Switzerland because they kind of went defensive in the last few years. She's trying to make it more attacking, and so you've got Really, two players who are going to be your goal-scoring threats. You've got Anna Maria Kornogocevic and Kumba Sao. Those are the names to really look out for for Switzerland. It's going to be a tough group for them, because obviously you've got Norway, 
kind of at the top, if we take a look at Group A in my prediction here, I think I'm going to go with Norway at the top. They kind of overall are the best team. I know they struggled last year at the Euros, but they should be better. And this group is not the best. Switzerland, I think, will advance. New Zealand, they... I, I don't know what to think of New Zealand because that stat that they haven't played in a competitive game since 2022, February of 2022, it's been almost a year and a half, that's like they need to get warmed up. And we're not just talking about, you know, get warmed up in the group for the knockouts. They need to be warmed up now to advance out of the group. So I think New Zealand are going to fall into third. Philippines will go fourth. If we take a look at the schedule for this group. These are going to be the first games. Thursday. Thursday morning, y'all. I don't know. The first game of this World Cup. Thursday morning, July 20th. 3 a.m. New Zealand takes on Norway. Good grief. And by the way, all the games are going to be on Fox Sports in English, in Telemundo, Universo, and Peacock in Spanish. So this match, Thursday, the 20th, 3 a.m., New Zealand-Norway to kick off the tournament. Fox, Telemundo, Peacock, and then the other matches, the 21st at 1 a.m. Eastern in the morning. So Friday, the Philippines takes on Switzerland on FS1 and Universo. Then the other games are on the 25th in the morning, 1.30 a.m., New Zealand-Philippines, followed by Switzerland-Norway at 4 o'clock, and then July 30th, both at 3 a.m. Eastern. Oh boy. FS1 and Universo has Norway and the Philippines, Switzerland, and New Zealand is on Fox and Telemundo. Y'all, those are all those games. 1, 3, and 4 a.m. That's what's terrible. Like, I know that's what they have to do because it's in New Zealand and Australia and all that, but I just, I don't think I can do that. I don't know. Let's move on, though, to our second group, which is Group B. Group B, our second group, actually has the second highest average FIFA ranking, which is 19.75 out of all the groups, headlined by two teams, one of whom are the other co-hosts in this tournament. That would be Australia, who are 10th in the FIFA rankings. It's their 8th straight World Cup. They are not the highest-ranked side in this group. That would belong to another team we're going to talk about, also known as Canada. But they do feature who some believe to be the best player in the women's game, that would be Chelsea's very own Sam Kerr, who was the first woman, by the way, to be featured on the cover of the FIFA video game last year with Kylian Mbappe. That was pretty cool, even though FIFA's going to be EA Sports FC now, next year. The tournament's other co-hosts haven't won their opening match in the World Cup since 2007. Talking about the Matildas of Australia. And in order to top the group... They're probably going to need three points against Ireland. That is the tournament's second overall match on Thursday. That's going to be in Stadium Australia. It's where the final is going to be. 80,000 fans are going to be packed in there. It's sold out. I think I'll bet on them to get it done. Their manager is Tony Gustafsson. He knows about winning, y'all. He was Jill Ellis's assistant for the U.S. for the 2015 and the 2019 editions of this tournament. Obviously, the U.S. won those. Duh. But for Australia, there's kind of some questions. They lost in the quarterfinals at the Asian Cup last year. That's not the performance they wanted. Whether they can go far in this tournament is probably going to be decided by their performance against Canada. That's going to be the big match in this group. And then you've got Ireland. 
Ireland, who are 22nd in the world, the girls in green, are making their first World Cup appearance in nine World Cup qualifying matches. They only conceded four goals, and they hung tough in their 2-0 and their 1-0 defeats in friendlies to the U.S. earlier this year. And the Irish have got this great story in this World Cup because Sinead Forelli, who was injured in a car crash back in 2016, just made her first competitive appearance since seven years later in the NWSL in March. She's going to be playing in this World Cup. But, of course, talked about a lot of issues that are going on with teams. This is not related to issues with the Federation. This is related to the manager of Ireland, Vera Paul, who has been accused of misconduct, body shaming, and creating a culture of fear while she was the manager of the Houston Dash in the NWSL. An athletic investigation just undercovered all that. So that's, you know, not great, kind of an issue for Ireland. You've also got Nigeria, who are the lowest ranked team in this group at 40, but they have the coolest nickname, the Super Falcons. But they've also got off-the-field issues. They are actually reportedly considering a boycott of their first match against Canada because unpaid salaries and player rights are a big issue right now for both the players and the coaches against their own federation. The manager, Randy Waldrum, who's been the manager since 2020, is reportedly owed seven months of his salary, which is, you know, you should probably pay your manager. He's also the man, the head coach of the Pittsburgh University of Pittsburgh women's soccer team, which I think is pretty cool, managing a college team and an international team at the same time. Also, one of his managers, Lauren Gregg, wasn't even sure two weeks before the tournament if she was even going to go. Like, there's some major issues with this Nigeria team off the pitch. On the pitch, they have one of the best players in the world, a Ballon d'Or shortlist player, forward Asisat Osawala. She scored 83 goals in 89 appearances for Barcelona. Despite that, though, Super Falcons have a major uphill battle in this tournament. Are they even going to play against Canada? That is still a question, which is insane. And then the other team in this tournament is, of course, Canada. They are seventh in the world. They are the reigning Olympic Gold Cup medalists. They've also, however, dealt with issues on and off the pitch recently. They've got some big-time injuries to Janine Becky, Jade Rose, and Desiree Scott, which have forced them to be excluded. Nichelle Pierce and even their winner of the Young Player Award at the 2015 World Cup, Kadisha Buchanan, who's one of their best players, they were able to recover in time for injuries, but those obviously still may linger. And you've also got for Canada, Adriana Leon, who is going to be a top scoring threat up top. While you can't talk about Canada without mentioning the legend Christine Sinclair, she is back for her sixth World Cup. She scored 190 goals for her country. Just insane. Off the pitch, though, Canada is also dealing with some issues because. They are protesting significant budget cuts, asking for the same financial support that the men received for last year's World Cup. The men last year went to their first World Cup since the 1980s. Canada Soccer is also reportedly thinking about declaring bankruptcy, which is... There's big issues going on with the Canadian Soccer Federation right now. Get that dough! So, with all that taking place... I still think Canada advance. I've got them second in Group B. I think Australia 
are going to get three points against Canada in that big decisive match they have. Ireland and Nigeria, three and four. I just think there's two big teams in this group, Canada and Australia. But if there's one who could get knocked down, I think it's Canada. I'm not so sure about Ireland, though, because it feels like every team, except for maybe Australia, is dealing with off-the-field issues. Like, it, Group B, for a bunch of those teams, is it's kind of a mess. But the fixtures, before we get to Group C, the fixtures for Group B, second game of the tournament, is Australia, the other co-host, taking on the Republic of Ireland, 6 a.m. Eastern, that's a little better than 3 a.m., on July 20th, which is this Thursday, on Fox and Telemundo, and then Thursday night, actually, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, which, if you're, you know, a night owl, that's pretty good. Nigeria takes on Canada. That game is going to be on Fox and Universo. And then the 26th, Canada takes on Ireland at 8 a.m. Eastern. That's okay. On FS1 and Universo. The next day, the 27th, Australia takes on Nigeria. 6 o'clock on FS1 and Universo. The 27th is a Thursday. And then the last matches of this group are going to take place Monday, July 31st. That's the big one. Canada and Australia. Winner, I think, wins the group. 6 a.m. Eastern on Fox and Telemundo. And then Ireland, Nigeria, same time, same day, FS1 and Universo. But let's now go to Group C, which The Athletic actually, for their preview, put as a mix of chaos, inconsistency, and unpredictability. It is bottom of the average FIFA rankings, 35. It is the average FIFA ranking, which is last of the eight. Whoops. But Spain, who are the top team in this group, are six, La Roja. They're in their third straight World Cup, just their third overall. And if you'll remember from last year's Euros, Spain, they kind of had their own off-the-field issues because 15 of their players wrote a letter to the Federation saying, we don't want to play anymore. They were trying to force some internal changes after the loss to England in the quarterfinals. Only three of those 15 players are on the World Cup squad. But the best player for this team, probably this group by far, Alexia Putellas, the back-to-back Ballon d'Or winner. She is the one to know for La Roja. While Alba Redondo has proven a reliable goal scorer for Club Levante over in Spain. In the defense, you've got Ona Battelle for Barcelona. She just came off a great season for Manchester United, transferred back to her home country of Barcelona, and had nine assists in the Women's Super League in England last season, which was the most for a right-back. You've also got Costa Rica Las Ticas repping CONCACAF in this group. Second of six CONCACAF teams. We only had four CONCACAF teams in the men's tournament. So, I mean, how about that? But Costa Rica are 46th in the world, according to the FIFA rankings. This is their second World Cup. Their last was in 2015. They did not advance out of the group stage. So if they want to do that for the first time... Their midfield duo of Raquel Rodriguez and Melissa Herrera need to be at the top of their game. They've also got a 21-year-old by the name of Priscilla Chinchilla who plays for Glasgow City in the UK. She had the six most chances created in open play in Scotland's top league last season. So they've got a couple really talented players. If there's a slip-up from Japan or Spain, you've got Las Ticas right there in contention to advance out of the group, potentially. Their first match is against Spain 
that could be big. If they could get even a point in that match could be massive for Costa Rica. Then you've got Zambia, the Copper Queens, who are making their first World Cup. They're the lowest ranked side in this tournament, 77th, and they only made their debut on the world stage in the Olympics two years ago. So this is a very inexperienced team on the world stage. Last year, they did play in the Africa Cup of Nations. They brought a third place finish for Zambia, although... Once again, they've got some off-the-field issues because their manager, Bruce Wape, he is under investigation for sexual misconduct. That is not good, but Barbara Banda had two hat-tricks for Zambia in the 2021 Olympics, and she could be Zambia's hope for potentially a point or two in this tournament. I mean, you never know, I guess. But then we've got Japan. Japan, if you'll remember, 2015 final. They lost to the U.S., but they won the 2011 final. Japanese, though, since then, that was 2015 final, eight years ago, have not been back to those heights. They had a round of 16 exit in 2019. They'd like to leave that in the rearview mirror. Saki Kumagi from Roma is the only player who's actually over 30 years old in the squad, so it's going to be time for the youth to take control if Japan want to advance past the round of 16 this time. They are 11th in the FIFA rankings, and that youth comes in the form of a couple key players, including Wee Hasegawa from Manchester City, Hina Sugita from Portland Thorns, and 19-year-old Micah Hamano, who starred at last year's U-20 World Cup. So Japan are definitely in a bit of a transition here, bringing the youth in kind of like they were in 2019, not to really to this extent, here in 2023. I do think, however... They'll finish top of the group because they've got some really good talent who has really been impressive for their clubs. Spain, I think, will finish second. And then I think there's a real clear, you know, drop-off between the top two and the bottom two in this group. Costa Rica third. I'm sorry. I know Las Dicas, CONCACAF, and Zambia, I think, will finish fourth. So, the matches in this group... July 21st on Friday, Spain takes on Costa Rica at 3.30 in the morning, Eastern Time on FS1 in Telemundo. The 22nd, Saturday morning at 3 a.m. Eastern, FS1 in Universo has Zambia and Japan. Then on the 26th, next Wednesday, Japan takes on Costa Rica at 1 Eastern on FS1 in Universo. And at 3.30 on FS1 in Telemundo, it's Spain and Zambia. And then July 31st, Monday, Japan takes on Spain on Fox and Telemundo, and Costa Rica takes on Zambia on FS1 and Universo. Both those matches at 3 a.m. Eastern. That is just wonderful. Ew! Then we go to Group D. Our fourth group has the fourth-ranked team, according to FIFA, which is England, the Lionesses. Oh boy, it's a good thing we don't have a one Xander's Facts soccer guru on this podcast who would love to talk about England. But England, they're feeling pretty good about themselves because they finally brought it home. Last year, they secured their first major trophy in the Euros. They beat the U.S. at Wembley in a friendly, in quotes. That was kind of a joke, their VAR. I don't really want to talk about it. It was a friendly, though, to follow that up. So, in all seriousness, things have been looking pretty... They were looking really great for the Lionesses last year under their manager, Serena Wiegman, who came in 2021. 
She was the manager of the Netherlands. She took them to that 2019 final. Obviously, she has the same intentions with England this year. But in their warm-up matches, kind of a concern. 2-0 defeat to Australia. 0-0 draw to Portugal. Those kind of bring pause. And you've also got injuries to last year's golden boot and golden ball winner in the Euros, Beth Mead. Their captain, Leah Williamson, is out. Fran Kirby. You've also got the retirements of Jill Scott and Ellen White after the Euros last year. Those could prove difficult to overcome. But you've also got Rachel Daly, who won the Women's Super League Golden Boot with Aston Villa last season. Alex Greenwood could be a bright spot in defense. And you've got names like Ella Toon, Chloe Kelly, and Lauren James, who, if you know, Reese James is his sister. They both play for Chelsea. They need to step up if England want to win the group and they want to go far in the tournament. There's a lot of pressure, really, on England, this women's team, really like there never has been. They won a tournament, and now there's a lot of people who expect them to not just get to the semifinals like they did four years ago, but to get to the final. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with England. They're on the third highest-rated group, according to the FIFA rankings. The average FIFA ranking in Group D is 21 which is good for third highest out of the eight, because you've got two teams that are ranked 13th and 14th, Denmark and China, and then there's also Haiti. Let's start with Denmark, though. The red and the white, who are 13th, they're in their fifth World Cup, but it's their first since 2007. They reached the quarterfinals back in 91 and 95, the first two World Cups, but since then, they've kind of been dormant. But their captain... Their most important player, Pernille Harder, just got back from injury just in time for the World Cup to finish the Women's Super League season with Chelsea. And if you take a look at the games that Chelsea played with her and without her, Chelsea are dominant in the Women's Super League. They won the 10 matches that she played in this season, but they went 9 for 12 in wins. They had 9 wins out of the 12 games in which she didn't play. Like, I mean, I mean, still, that's really good. Chelsea are dominant they just won the women's super league but the six games that harder played back in may to get tuned up at the end of the wsl season chelsea gave up just two goals and they scored 24 cool facts bro and when you talk about denmark denmark loved their possession and in the midfield you've got players like karen homeward sonny trollscard katherine cool and Josephine Haspo, who are going to be crucial for this team, who are looking to make a statement, probably, in their first World Cup in 16 years. And in qualifying, the Danes won all eight of their games. So if England slips up at any point, Denmark might be right there to top the group. You've also got the, the 14th ranked team, according to FIFA, the Steel Roses of China, China, who are only one of two nations who have hosted the World Cup twice, the U.S. has also done so, and they don't travel very far for this year's edition in Oceania, just down the ocean, over to Australia and New Zealand. This is their eighth World Cup, their third straight, their highest finish was second place in 1999, that wonderful final that happened there. The Chinese are the reigning champions of Asia, though. They beat South Korea in last year's AFC Asian Cup, where they also took down World Cup sides Japan and Vietnam, but they haven't gotten past the World Cup quarterfinals since reaching the final in 1999. In fact, they only reached the round of 16 in 2019, 
and they're in a really tough group this time around, as I told you by the other two teams, so I think are really good. And so for the Steel Roses to really make an impact and really to get a result against Denmark or England, which they're going to need a result at, against at least one of those two to advance, not to mention the other team in this group, Wang Shuang is the name to know in attack. She's going to be scoring goals for China. She's going to need to be scoring goals against Denmark and England if China have any hope of advancing. And then you've got Haiti, the Pomegranates, repping CONCACAF once again in Group D. This is their first World Cup. They are 53rd in the world according to the FIFA rankings. Of course, Haiti, as you probably know, has been dealing with a lot as a country recently. Natural disasters, a presidential assassination, and they've also had sexual abuse scandals within their federation, the soccer federation. So Haiti's kind of like really looking for something to rally around. They hope this squad can be that in their first ever World Cup. And they've got talent too. Over half of their players play in France, headlined by Montpellier's Kethno Lewis and Rose Lord Burgella for Dijon. If Haiti want to make a statement, they play England in their first match. So um, that would uh, be quite the way to do so. But sadly, I have my doubts. I'm going to go England to top the group. Denmark, I think I would not be surprised if Denmark actually topped the group. They could maybe get seven points or so from this group if they can get a result against England, or nine points if they actually beat England. I'm going England, Denmark, 1-2. China, I think, just outside at 3. And Haiti, 4. I know, I'm sorry, CONCACAF. I have not been kind to CONCACAF besides Canada. That's going to change in just a second when we get to Group E. But first, our matches for Group D, July 22nd, which is this Saturday, 5.30 a.m. on Fox and Telemundo. It's that England-Haiti opening match for Group D. Denmark and China will follow at 8 o'clock Eastern on Fox and Universo. And then the 28th, which is next Friday, England take on Denmark at 4.30 a.m. Eastern on FS1 in Telemundo. China take on Haiti at 7 Eastern on FS1 and Universo. And then August 1st, a Tuesday, both these matches at 7 a.m. Eastern, China takes on England on Fox and Telemundo, and Haiti faces Denmark on FS1 and Universo. That is Group D, half of our groups. Now, y'all, we got the big one. Here it comes! Group E, which has the highest average FIFA ranking, 15.75, that is first, and that is because it has the number one team in the world, that would be the United States of America. America! Here we go, y'all! The two-time defending world champions, four-time champs overall, the United States women's national team. Oh my gosh. In half of the World Cups that have taken place so far, the U.S. have been the victors. And just like in 2019, when they were the defending champions then in France, everyone wants to take them out. This squad's a little different, though, than the one that took home the trophy in France four years ago. I mean, you've, also, you've got the mainstays. Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Megan Rapino, who just announced her retirement after this year's NWSL season. So this is her last international tournament with the U.S. Crystal Dunn, Kelly O'Hara, Julie Ertz, Lindsay Horan. These are players we've seen before. We've seen do great things in the World Cup before. 
But you've also got players who have shined previously who aren't on the squad, you know, either due to retirements or injuries. We've got a couple big names, like Mallory Swanson. She used to be Mallory Pugh, if you know that name. She married Dansby Swanson, who was an MLB player, Sam Mewis, Katarina Macario, and the captain, Becky Sauerbrunn. They are all out of the World Cup due to injury. It has been a rough time for the U.S. recently. And you've also got players like Carly Lloyd, who have retired from the game. Carly Lloyd is going to be on the Fox set covering the World Cup this year. But thankfully, this U.S. side has a bit of depth, which hopefully is going to be able to handle the pressure, unlike maybe some other teams that have injury troubles, like a certain one that I mentioned in the last group. The youth that has come forward has been absolutely insane over the last few years. Three players, I think, really stand out in particular. In defense, Naomi Gurma. She was last year's NWSL, which if you don't know, is the National Women's Soccer League, top soccer league in the U.S. She was the NWSL Rookie of the Year and the Defender of the Year for the San Diego Wave, and she's just 23 years old. She could be, along with Helena Cook, I think, crucial in drowning the absence of Becky Sauerbrunn, who was a crucial piece on and off the pitch for leadership as well in defense. And in attack, we have Trinity Rodman, the 21-year-old daughter of basketball icon. Y'all know Dennis Rodman. She's won an NWSL title with Washington Spirit. And if you go back to that friendly against England last year, she scored in that friendly, only it was called back by a... Very, if you watch the game, very suspicious VAR review. I don't know. There's a lot of people, if people who watch England soccer and American soccer, they've basically decided that the Americans do VAR better. I don't know what's up with England. They're, they have the best league, the Premier League, and that's where soccer was invented, they say, and yet their VAR is kind of trash compared to others, and it was trash in that game, so I don't know what their issue is. Either way, it's a friendly, whatever. There's also Alyssa Thompson, who, she's only 18 years old, will become just the second youngest player ever to represent the U.S. women at the World Cup, if she can make it onto the pitch. And then we have Sophia Smith, who at 22 was not only the NWSL MVP last year, but also the U.S.'s Female Player of the Year last year. She made her first appearance for the U.S. back in November of 2020, and she's already got 12 goals to her name in the red, white, and blue. And then you've got a player like Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle basically broke out in the 2019 tournament. She's coming back for more. And when you t- Rose Lavelle was 24 years old, I believe, in the 2019 World Cup. So you've got players like Smith and Rodman and Thompson the girls who I just talked about, who are really hoping to follow, maybe in her footsteps. We've seen it done before in the World Cup. I mean, this team, they really do have, even with all the injuries to the veteran players, they still really have a great mix of talented veterans who have been here before. Morgan and Rapino, obviously, really the top two names. Both of them had six goals in the 2019 World Cup, which was the most in the tournament, along with Ellen White from England. And don't forget Alyssa Nair, between the posts, who won the 2019 World Cup as well for the U.S.'s keeper. And also, with the talented veterans, you've got that mix of young players who are looking to make their mark on this world stage. You know, it's happened before for the U.S. women. Go back to 1999, the 99ers. 
Brandy Chastain, Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, 2011, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd. They didn't win the World Cup in 2011, but they got really close. And then in 2015, they did. When you had players like Kelly O'Hara and Julie Ertz added on to the mix. Both of those players are back as well. And then the likes of Rose Lavelle and Lindsay Horan, who did that in 2019, too. So in 2023, you've got a couple of really talented young players who are really trying to make their mark and make themselves household names in the U.S. I mean, we talk about the U.S. women not just highly from on the field, but off the field, because they were the ones who have really been leading this fight for equality within the soccer federation that you're seeing with a bunch of other teams now, particularly up north, although the men's team is complaining too because Canadian soccer is bankrupt, but with a ton of other countries around the world who are now complaining, why does the men's team get so much more support than the women's team? The U.S. started that. They've been, they were talking about it for years, and finally, just last year, we had the agreement for equal pay and there's a lot of people who I think were like, well, the men's team gets more eyeballs and sponsorship money and all that stuff. So there's some people, I think, who do not support the equal pay contract that the U.S. women have that they've been fighting for many years to get. And that may be true with some sports, but for U.S. soccer, like, I don't think people realize that the most watched soccer match ever in the history of the United States of America up until the 2022 World Cup final between Argentina and France, was the 2015 final between the U.S. and Japan. That was the most watched soccer match, men's or women's, of any kind. The U.S. men haven't gotten close to that. And also, you know, you all know I love my U.S. men, but they haven't won a World Cup. The U.S. women have won four. So, in regards to U.S. soccer, the arguments that they shouldn't be equal, are complete bull, because um, I think their performances on the pitch show you that they kind of do. And the men agreed with them too. And that's why both the men's and the women's teams signed that contract last year. So with all that, so let's get back to the pitch for just a second. Quit whining. Talking about the lineup here for the U.S. in 2023. Up top, I likely it's probably going to be Alex Morgan up top, Sophia Smith and Lynn Williams as likely the other attackers. Trinity Rodman, I think, could potentially start as well or be a key contributor. Lindsay Horan probably going to anchor the middle, likely flanked by some combination of Julie Ertz, Crystal Dunn, Andy Sullivan, and Savannah DeMello. And then in defense, likely center back combination of Gurma and Cook, as we said earlier, and then O'Hara and Emily Fox on the wing. Sofia Huerta is also an option there. And Alyssa Nair, obviously, at keeper. She's got that down tight. Rapino, obviously I didn't say her name, 38 years old. She's actually likely to come off the bench as a super sub in her final World Cup. Which, I mean, imagine they play the Netherlands in this group. Netherlands, Vietnam, and Portugal are the remaining teams in this group. Imagine that Netherlands game is tight and the U.S. brings on Rapino. Netherlands think they're doing well. They're like, oh, crap. Now they just brought on Megan Rapino, who has shown against the Netherlands in the World Cup several times that she is amazing. So, you know, that's she could be 
absolutely pivotal in a couple of tight games for the U.S. Like, remember, 2019 was not a cakewalk. England game was tough. Spain game was tough. Sweden, they also had to play in the group stage, was tough. The Netherlands were no slouch in the final, even though it was 2-0. Like, these these may be some tight, nerve-wracking games. And having someone like Megan Rapino come off the bench as a super sub, knowing what she can do, she's still playing at a really high level. I mean, that could be... That could be really crucial. So, according to DraftKings, and I love my friends at DraftKings because they do follow me on threads, by the way. If you don't follow Xander's Facts on threads, you should go do so. Same as Bog. According to DraftKings, the U.S. are once again favorites to win the tournament at plus 250. That is just ahead of England, Spain, and Germany. Just saying, y'all. I mean, could the U.S. win a fifth World Cup third straight? I'm going to get to the knockout rounds in a little bit, but... um. I mean, there are no slouches. We keep hearing every single time we heard in 2015, the world's getting better. In 2019, the world's getting better. The U.S. are not as good as they were. Didn't matter in 2015. Didn't matter in 2019. Those things are true. The U.S. aren't getting worse. They're probably getting better. But the rest of the world is finally catching up and getting much better. So, didn't matter in 2015. Didn't matter in 2019. Will it matter in 2023? We'll find out when we do our knockout round predictions. But we got to get to the other teams in Group E. That would be Vietnam. The Golden Star Women Warriors. How about that? Their FIFA ranking is 32nd. This is their first World Cup. This is actually the only group. I mean, this is the hardest group according to the FIFA rankings. But it's also the only group to have two squads who are making their debut World Cups. This is true. Vietnam is the first of those in Group E. Of course, this first ever World Cup game is going to be up against the defending champs, the U.S. In 2019, the U.S. also had their first World Cup match of the tournament against an Asian team, Thailand. They were making their second World Cup appearance, but they faced the U.S. in the first match. I don't know if y'all remember that match, but the U.S., they waited a little bit to score, and then they scored 13. 13-0! They beat Thailand. That is the largest defeat ever, regardless of gender, in an international tournament for Thailand. Vietnam is probably hoping to not repeat that. But right now, 2023 for Vietnam, you've got Huyen Nu, who is the country's all-time leading goal scorer. You've got midfielder Big Tui, who has scored the goal in the Asian Cup against Taiwan that actually got Vietnam to their first World Cup. I mean, I don't, I don't know. They're 32nd, which is pretty good, but that is, in this group, it's tough because you've also got the Netherlands, who are ninth in the world. This is their third World Cup, their third straight. Y'all remember that World Cup final 2019, US and Netherlands, so we got a World Cup final rematch in the group stage. This is also a rematch of the Olympic quarterfinal match back two years ago which the U.S. won on penalties. So the Netherlands, they kind of want revenge. But this Netherlands team really isn't exactly the same as the one that surprised a bunch of people four years ago, or even that won the Euros back in 2017. Their new manager, though, Andres Jonker, he just took over after last year's disappointing exit in the Euros. He hopes to have his team reinvigorated for what is going to be a revenge game, even without Arsenal's Vivian Medima who scored the most goals for the Dutch in the last World Cup. I mean, even so, 
Sharita Speets in the midfield, and Lenef Berinstein up top. They're going to be key for the Dutch to challenge the U.S. and avoid an upset from the group's last nation, which is Portugal. By the way, Netherlands in the U.S., y'all remember that round of 16 match in the World Cup? The men's last year. So, you know, kind of revenge game for the U.S., too, if they want to defend our, defend our nation's glory. Please! But Portugal are the last team. You know, you think of Portugal as this big soccer nation because, obviously, on the men's side, players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Penaldo, by the way, not very happy with him. Ronaldo. But it's their first World Cup, their first Women's World Cup. They just recently started taking the women's game seriously, and their manager, Francisco Neto, He's actually the longest tenured boss in this competition. He's been the manager since 2014. It's the truth. He's built up the squad to finally reach their first World Cup. And I think that if they weren't in the tournament's toughest group, they'd actually have a real shot of going to the knockouts. They've got Benfica's Jessica Silva and Francisca Nazareth. They have brought Portugal into the tournament strong. Their last three official matches were two draws to Wales and England. That England one, a big one. And they had a 2-0 victory against Ukraine. So Portugal are no slouch. They're 21st, as I said in the FIFA rankings, but they're also in the toughest group. So I don't I think they'll join Vietnam and not going through. I'll take Portugal three. Netherlands two, obviously up top, number one, US, because I do think the US will beat Netherlands. That is going to be quite a game, though. I don't I think even for a neutral, that US Netherlands game is going to be must watch in the group stage and so the matches in group e will be first off the u.s taking on vietnam in that opening match which is friday night saturday i guess technically it's saturday in new zealand where the games are being played but it's friday night here in the u.s nine o'clock p.m eastern on fox and telemundo that's not a bad time and then july 23rd sunday the Netherlands take on Portugal. That game, though, is at 3.30 a.m. Eastern on FS1 in Telemundo. Oof. And then July 26th, which is Wednesday, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, Fox and Telemundo. It is the U.S. and Netherlands, the big match, which is actually 2 a.m. in Britain. So that's kind of like 3 a.m. in the Netherlands, which is not the greatest time for them. But here in the U.S., that's prime time, so that's perfect. And then on the 27th, next Thursday, Portugal faces Vietnam at 3.30 a.m. Eastern on FS1 and Universo. And then August 1st, which is a Tuesday, the final matches, Portugal and the U.S. on Fox and Telemundo, Vietnam, Netherlands on FS1 and Universo. Both those games, however, are at 3 a.m. Yikes! So... You know, we lucked out. We had those first two games at 9 p.m., which is pretty good. That's 6 p.m. out west, by the way. Those are pretty good times. And then we get a 3 a.m. one, which is just yikes. Listen, I'm going to be up watching it, but um, I may not be enjoying myself. That's, that's going to be a little rough. But there is Group E, the group with the defending champions and the number one ranked team that would be are U.S. women. Now let's go to Group F. France headlines Group F as the highest-ranked team at 5. Brazil is also in there at 8. And you've also got Jamaica and Panama. Two CONCACAF teams in one group. 
I mean, how about that? But let's go to France, who start out Group F, which is 6th out of 8th for average FIFA ranking at 27. Les Bleus. More drama for the French, though. Always drama with the French. Longtime manager Karine Jacques was fired after many veteran players said they would not play for her. So, former Saudi Arabia men's manager Arvi Renard was appointed. He's just the second manager to manage both a men's and a women's team in a World Cup. John Herdman's the only other one to do that. He did it with both Canada's men, of course, last year, and their women back in 2015. But those were seven years apart. Renard is doing it less than a year apart because he was the manager of Saudi Arabia for that 2022 World Cup, which is pretty impressive. But in 2019, France's leading goal scorer was Wendy Renard, not related apparently, a center back. That's pretty rare. And you've also got Eugénie Le Sommer, who could become France's all-time World Cup appearance record holder. So that's France. Then you've got Brazil, who are 8th in the FIFA ranking. Really, we talked about a previous group, I believe it was Group C, where we talked about the top two teams are kind of really above the other two. I think that's kind of how it is in Group F. I'm sorry, Panama and Jamaica. I love you all, CONCACAF. But Brazil and France, I think, are kind of on another level. Brazil, though, they're known for mainstays. Their players, obviously midfielder Flaminga, appearing in every World Cup since 1991, but she won't be in Oceania. And then you have Marta, whose 17 goals are most all-time in the Women's World Cup, announced that this is going to be her last World Cup. Brazil have obviously been to all nine Women's World Cups, the only South American nation to do so. But in the last two tournaments, they haven't advanced past the round of 16. 2007, they went to the final. They finished second. But the team they lost to in 2019 in the round of 16? That would be France, who were the hosts. So... We've got another 2019 rematch in the group stage. This is also the other match in the group stage between two teams ranked in the FIFA Top 10. U.S. and Netherlands is the other one. Nice fact. So really, those are kind of like two games that you really, even as a neutral, I think kind of excite you because these are the two games which probably have the most star power of the teams in the group stage. And for Brazil, their defender Rafael Souza and attacker Kerloin will be the names to watch, especially if Brazil wants to win the group. And then you've got Jamaica, the reggae girls who are 43rd in the FIFA rankings. This is their second World Cup, second straight, but they're looking to advance out of the group stage for the first time. But when you talk about Jamaica, there's one name who rises above them all, Bunny Shaw. Not just because the name is awesome, but the Manchester City goal scorer is one of the best strikers in the world. She scored 20 goals last season in just 22 games in the Women's Super League. And along with Tottenham midfielder Drew Spence, the reggae girls could be a danger to the top dogs in this group if they give Jamaica an opportunity. Uh, could they? I don't know. Of course... We kind of steered clear from the off-the-field drama for a little bit, but it's back with Jamaica. They're actually having to use crowdfunders in order to support their trip over to Australia. Like, their federation can't or won't fund a lot of their trip, which is 
just ridiculous. And then Panama, the canal girls and the red tide. I'm kind of not very high on Panama because of what happened in the men's gold cup, but I'm not talking about men's soccer. This is strictly a women's soccer podcast. Two CONCACAF teams in one group. How about that? It's Panama's first World Cup. They beat Papua New Guinea and Paraguay to get here, and they didn't concede any goals. But they did just lose 7-0 to Spain. So, uh... But if Panama pulls a stunner, it'll be thanks to Marta Cox, who is currently with Pachuca in Mexico. The Mexican Women's League is actually growing, getting much better. So, that's the group. Group F. Group prediction, I would say France and Brazil are really the top two I think who are going to advance. I think France is probably going to get a result against Brazil, so I like France, number one. Brazil, two. I think the team who could most likely pull an upset is Jamaica, so I like Jamaica, three. But also, I don't... Let me tell you, Jamaica could, if France and Brazil slip up and Jamaica gets three points against one of those two... They, mmm, watch out for Jamaica, y'all. Panama, I think, fourth, but Jamaica, I don't know. I'm just warning ya. They do face France in their first match, July 23rd, which is Sunday, 6 a.m. Eastern. That's okay. On Fox and Telemundo. The next day, Monday, the 24th, Brazil opens against Panama on 7 a.m. Eastern on FS1 in Telemundo. And then July 29th, 6 a.m. Eastern, Fox and Telemundo has France and Brazil. Same networks, 8.30 a.m. after that is Panama and Jamaica. And then on August 2nd, which is a Wednesday, two Wednesdays from now, Jamaica takes on Brazil on FS1 in Telemundo. Panama takes on France on Fox and Universo. Those are at 6 a.m. Eastern, two weeks from now. So that is Group F. We've got two more groups to go, y'all. Group G, headlined by Sweden, who are third in the world. You've also got Italy, Argentina, and South Africa. This group, Group G, is fourth in the average FIFA ranking. 25.25 is the average FIFA ranking. And that starts with Sweden, the blue and yellow, who are third in the FIFA ranking, who have made all nine World Cups. Second place back in 2003, they're the runners-up in the 2021 Olympic Games to Canada. They've actually played 40 Women's World Cup matches, and they've never won the tournament. That is the most of any non-champion. They've made the semifinals in two of the past three tournaments, but their only final was in 2003. And if you look at Sweden's past tournaments, it's kind of like a roller coaster, but it's still a pattern because... They get to the semis of the final one year, and then the next tournament, they kind of falter. So 2003, they got to the final. 2007, they didn't get it out of the group. 2011, they made it to the semifinals. 2015, they only made it to the round of 16. And then 2019, they made it to the semifinals again. So if you go by the pattern, it doesn't bode well for this tournament. But they're the best team in this group. Headlined by Fridolina Rolfo, an attacking left back who will be the engine that makes the Swedes go. This is the first tournament since 1999 that the U.S. and Sweden actually aren't matched up in the same group, which I thought was an interesting stat. 2003, 2007, 2011, 2015, and 2019, the U.S. and Sweden were all in the same group. Not this year. It's true! 
And then you've got South Africa. They are 54th in the world. Benyana, Benyana! Oh my gosh, they're in their second ever World Cup. It's their second straight. They didn't make it out of the group stage the last time. Actually, they failed to draw a single point. They lost all three matches. But they did just win last year's Africa Cup of Nations. And the name to watch for them is forward Thembe Gatlana, who has been great for NWSL's Racing Louisville and scored, actually, against Spain in the 2019 Women's World Cup, although they didn't win that game. South Africa are also, however, dealing with some off-the-pitch problems. Their players are demanding better support from the Federation. They actually boycotted a warm-up game for this World Cup against Botswana. There were a lot, lot of issues going on with that match, but another country where their women's team is actually standing up to their federation and saying, um, we'd like some more support here, please, like with the men. Because as the U.S. have shown, that can happen. And it's deserved, too. Because with South Africa, I didn't see South Africa in the World Cup in the men's last year, but they're right here in the women's, and they just won the Africa Cup of Nations. Also in Group G, Italy... The Azzurri, who for the first time are making their second consecutive World Cup appearance. They are 16th in the FIFA rankings. They're hoping to build on last time's quarterfinal appearance. They're going to be without the, their captain, 34-year-old Saragama, who was dropped by the manager. But you've also got players like Christina Girelli, Barbara Bonincia, and Manuela Guigliano, like, the Italians have a lot of talent, and a lot of that talent has risen up from the ranks in the newly professional Serie A Women's League, particularly at Roma, who have kind of become an Italian powerhouse in the women's game. And Italy's first match in this tournament is against Australia. In their three previous World Cups, Italy has not lost any of their previous opening World Cup matches, but they have lost at least one match in each of their past group stages. Another team in Group G is Argentina, the white and the sky blues, the men's World Cup champions. I think they'd like to bring some of that magic over to the women, who have never made the knockout rounds. This is their fourth World Cup, their second straight, but there's never been a country that has held the men's and the women's World Cup titles at the same time. True, true. Just gotta wait for our men to do it, USA. I don't think so. But Argentina in last year's Copa America Femenina, where the Sky Blues placed third, Yamila Rodriguez was the team's top goal scorer with six golazos. Argentina, though, hasn't scored in six of their previous nine World Cup matches, which is 67% of those matches, the highest percentage among nations who have played in more than six World Cup matches. So for Group G, I think the top team is Sweden. I think they'll I think they'll fly through the group. Italy though, they could be tough. I've got them second. Argentina third. South Africa fourth. I think maybe Argentina might sneak in there, but I I think that Italy a lot of people are saying Italy might, you know, stumble a little bit. I think Italy will be okay. So that's my prediction for Group G. Sweden and Italy advance. The fixtures in Group G begin on Sunday the 23rd. Sweden takes on South Africa at 1 a.m. in the morning on the East Coast on FS1 in Universo. 
And then July 24th, Monday, Italy takes on Argentina at 2 a.m. on FS1 in Telemundo. And then on July 27th, Thursday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, Argentina takes on South Africa on FS1 in Universo. The 29th, which is next Saturday, Sweden takes on Italy at 3.30 a.m. on FS1 in Telemundo. And August 2nd, Two Wednesdays from now, Argentina faces Sweden on Fox and Telemundo, and South Africa faces Italy on FS1 and Universo. Both those games, 3 a.m. Eastern. Final group, y'all. Are we done yet? It is Group H, which includes the second highest ranked team according to the FIFA rankings. That would be Germany. The average FIFA ranking, though, is 29 in this group which is second worst, and Germany are kind of carrying the load here. You've also got Korea Republic, South Korea, Colombia, and Morocco. But Germany are one of only two women's teams who have won back-to-back World Cups. Other is, of course, the United States. The Germans, however, haven't made the finals since their last World Cup win in 2007, and they've only reached the quarterfinals in two of the last three tournaments. 2015, sandwich it in, they made a semifinal appearance. But they're the second best team in the world, according to the FIFA rankings, and they have the talent to back it up, because up top, Leah Schuler and Alexandra Pop will be battling to be Germany's prime goal-scoring threat. Youth is going to be key, too. You've got excellent young players like Lena Oberdorf, June Brand, Clara Buell, and a host of others who are under 26 years old. And that means that Germany has the talented youth to go along with some skilled veterans. And I think with the World Cup, that's really important because obviously you want that veteran leadership, not just on the pitch, but off of it as well. But you also want these young players who are going to be able to contribute to you for six, seven games in the World Cup in a month. And Germany are also second all-time on goals scored in the World Cup. They have 121. I bet you can guess who was first. That would be the United States with 138. That was a fact. Rolling down Group H, it's Morocco, the Lionesses of Atlas. The Netherlands are the Lionesses too. There's three Lionesses. I guess the Battle of Lionesses might take place in this World Cup. It's their first World Cup though. Shocker if you remember of the Men's World Cup. Was Morocco making it to the semifinals? Could that happen with the women? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. The men were ranked 22nd in the FIFA rankings before that tournament. Respectable. The women right now are 72. So it would be 10 times the achievement, I guess, if that happened. And this is also their first World Cup. They did make the final of last year's African Cup of Nations as the host, though. And Tottenham forward Rosella Ayani will be the name to watch for the Lionesses of Atlas. And then you've got Colombia, who I think have two absolutely epic nicknames. The Powerpuff Girls and the Coffee Growers. Those are pretty cool for the 25th ranked team in the world. It's their third World Cup. Last was in 2015, where they reached the round of 16. And they actually beat France in the final game of the group stage in 2015 to make it to their only knockout appearance. But they did finish third in last year's Copa America, which they've done in three of the four last editions of the South American tournament. And their top goal scorers have basically all gathered in Spain. Myra Ramirez at Levante, Manuela Venegas at Real Sociedad, 
and 18-year-old Linda Caicedo has been shining bright for Real Madrid. Then you've got the last team, our 32nd team, y'all, Korea Republic, also known to most as South Korea. By the way, I was looking up some past editions of the World Cup. North Korea was in the U.S.'s group, and they advanced with the U.S. one time. It was 2007 or 2011, somewhere around then. But it was like, North Korea? Wow. They're not in this World Cup. South Korea is. The Tigers of Asia, who are 17th in the FIFA rankings, this is their fourth World Cup, their third straight, and they impressed in last year's Asian Cup. They took down Australia, advanced to the final, the nation's all-time leading goal scorer, Ji So-yoon, looks to pair with Lee Gwen-min in attack for a team that beat fellow Women's World Cup participants Zambia, they beat them twice, and Haiti in their final matches before this competition. Only Sam Kerr scored more goals than Ji in the 2022 Asian Cup. But I think G did kind of get her because she scored to pull the Tigers ahead of the Matildas in that quarterfinal match. So there you go. They've only made it out of the group once, but Korea have a nice squad that I think could make some noise, which is why for Group H, I'm picking them to get out of the group. Second, I think Germany are probably just going to steamroll through the group. One, Germany, and then Colombia and Morocco. And the matches for Group H, our final group, begin Monday, July 24th, with Germany taking on Morocco at 4.30 a.m. on FS1 and Universo. Same day, but different time of day. 10 p.m. Eastern, Colombia takes on South Korea, FS1 and Universo. And then July 30th, 12.30 a.m. Eastern, South Korea, Morocco on Fox and Universo. Same day, 5.30 Eastern, FS1 and Telemundo, Germany take on Colombia. And then August 3rd, both games, 6 a.m. Eastern, Morocco, Colombia on FS1 and Telemundo, and South Korea and Germany on Fox and Universo. So, we covered all 32 teams. Those are the groups. It's time to get to the knockouts, y'all. This newly expanded Women's World Cup. It's just like last year's men's tournament now at 32 teams. Obviously, the men's going to 48, so that's whatever. But that means that the top two nations in each group advance to the round of 16. There are four knockout rounds. Round of 16 from there, eight teams advance to the quarterfinals, four sides go on to the semifinals, and then you've got the final and the third place game. It's basically a bracket, and it's time to make the picks for the knockouts. Fill out this bracket. I already made my picks for the group stage. If you're following along, we're going to start with the round of 16, y'all. It's time to determine who is going to win the 2023 Women's World Cup. I got my fact-filled predictions here for you. Here comes a fact! Let's start in the bracket with the round of 16. Norway faces Spain. I believe it'll be the top team in the Group A versus the second team in Group C. Norway, Spain... I like Norway in that one. And then the winners of Group E will take on the second place team from Group G. I believe the winners of Group E will be the United States. They will take on Italy, I believe, from Group G. I have, I mean, of course, come on, USA. And then winners of Group C take on second place team from Group A. I believe that's Japan against Switzerland. I'll take Japan. 
Then the winners of Group G will take on the second place team from Group E. So I've got Sweden winning Group G, Netherlands being second in Group E. See, that's why the U.S. kind of wants to win their group, because you really don't want to face Sweden in the round of 16. And that's why I've got Sweden beating the Netherlands, who I do not think are as strong as they were back in 2019. I think Sweden advance. And then other side of the bracket... Top team in Group B, I believe that's going to be Australia, will take on the second place team in Group D. That, I say, is Denmark. I've got Australia in that match. France, I believe, is going to be the top team in Group F, will face the second place team in Group H, which I believe is South Korea. I got France in that one. And then Group D, top team, takes on Group B's second place team. I think that's England and Canada. I've got England. Canada will be a tough team, though, if they don't let the off-the-field distractions affect them. I still think England will win. And then Group H's top team against Group F's second-place team, Germany and Brazil. Oh, 2014 Men's World Cup semifinal, Germany and Brazil. I got Germany, like in that match, too, in this match, in the women's game. And so advancing... To the quarterfinals, I've got Norway, the US, Japan, Sweden, Australia, France, England, and Germany. So on to the quarterfinals, it would be Norway against the US, my first two teams. Come on, y'all. The US. By the way, they're the only team who has never finished outside of the top three in the World Cup. They've made every semifinal. They haven't gotten to every final, but they've gotten a medal. They finished at least top three in every single Women's World Cup. Just letting y'all know. Gash facts. I think they beat Norway in the quarterfinals. Then Japan and Sweden. Remember I talked about Sweden having like the ups and downs of tournament, that pattern. Well, the pattern says this is going to be a down tournament. So I've got them out in the quarterfinals. I've got Japan. That sets up a nice little... You know, there's history there between the U.S. and Japan in the semifinals. But continuing on with the quarterfinals, Australia and France, the home side. I don't know if I can go against them. Australia and then England and Germany. Holy cow, that's number two against number four in the world right there in the quarterfinals. England and Germany. That's how it would set up if both those teams win their groups. And... I think I'll go with Germany. England's got the injury problems, the retirements. They haven't looked so great this year, this calendar year, 2023. So I've got Germany. I think that'll be that'll be a really close game, and that'll be August 12th in Stadium Australia. Stadium Australia is in Sydney. It's basically the big stadium in this tournament. It's the one that holds 80,000 people. It's the one that's going to be hosting the final. It's the one that's hosting... Australia's open game and that that atmosphere is going to be good for England Germany too I that's going to be a really good game but I've got Germany advancing by England it's not coming home this year y'all so let's go to the semifinals US and Japan I believe in the first semifinal y'all this would be August 15th which let me look at my calendar here is a Tuesday at 4 a.m. Eastern Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'll be, I will be up. I'll be watching, but I won't enjoy it. But also, I think that the US will beat Japan, go on to the final, 
because the questions that surround the U.S. team with their youth, players who haven't been here before, Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith, even in defense, Naomi Gurma, and those questions should hopefully be answered by then, and we'll be like, oh, these players can ball. We should have known that, because I'm telling you they can right now. But also, Alex Morgan is 34 years old, and yet for San Diego in the NWSL, she's playing the best soccer she ever has. And so, I mean, the U.S., if you look at their draw, if they win their group, which means getting past the Netherlands... I've got them facing Italy, Norway, and Japan on their way to the finals. None of those teams scare me. The teams that scare me are Germany, England, Sweden. Now, if Sw- they could meet Sweden in the semifinals, but because of that pattern, I'd pick them to get out in the quarterfinals. Germany, England, Brazil, France, maybe even Australia. Those are the teams that scare me. Italy, Spain even. Norway, Japan, Sweden, they could face the Netherlands again, Switzerland. These teams don't scare me. And so if, you know, if the U.S. have that path, the one I'm predicting, I think they go into the final and maybe it's not too great that they kind of cruise. Maybe They probably, it'll be some tough games, but easier definitely than having to face the likes of France, England, Canada, Germany, Brazil. Australia, all of whom are on the other side of the bracket. So the U.S., if they can win their group, they kind of, they get a favorable draw, which I think is absolutely going to help them as they grow into this tournament, which I think is going to be needed for their young players. Obviously, players like Rose Lavelle, Alex Morgan, been there, done that, they're going to do it again. But the young players who are going to get accustomed to this, and they're going to have that first match, obviously, against Vietnam to do so. So U.S. beats Japan in the semifinals. Other semifinal I got, which really intrigues me, is Australia and Germany. We talked about the one name you need to know for Australia, that is Sam Kershey, might be the best player in the world on the women's side right now. And then Germany, who are kind of, I mean, they're basically loaded with the top players I told you, Leah Schuler, Alexandra Pop, but the young players too that they have. So I've got Germany, and they don't have King Kai like they do on the men's side, but I've got Germany beating Australia to go to the final, which would be, y'all, this is the final we need, this is the final we want, this is the final we deserve in the women's game. The top two teams, the two teams who are the only teams in the women's game who have won consecutive World Cups, the only teams who have won multiple Women's World Cups, the United States and Germany. Big game alert! I'm predicting this final. This is the final I want. I think this is the final every soccer fan wants, needs, deserves. It would be an absolutely amazing game. That would happen August 20th, which is a Sunday, at 6 a.m. Eastern. Wake up early, 3 a.m. on the West Coast. I don't care. Wake up early, USA and Germany in the final. It's going to be awesome. I did pick Germany to go to the final of the men's, too. That didn't work out, but I I believe in the women. Up until this point, what I told you is going to happen. This is the match. It will be Megan Rapinoe's 
final match for the United States. She's probably going to come off the bench, and when she does, what did I tell you, y'all? Impact Super Sub. Germany's going to be like, oh my gosh, we were just having to face Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle, Sophia Smith, all these players, and now you bring in Rapino. Y'all, no team in soccer has ever won a third consecutive Women's World Cup. I'm not just fanboying, even though I am. This is an actually real possibility. The sports books say the U.S. is favored to win. And so, Xander's facts. Ladies and gentlemen, the United States will win the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. Xander's facts. That's a fact. How about that, y'all? I've got them beating Germany 2-1 in the final. Oh, man. That's going to be good. I don't care if it's at 6 a.m. I'm watching every second. I'm watching every second of the pregame show, the postgame show, the match, all of it. Like, y'all, if this happens, as I'm factually predicting it to do so, if we can win the United States, if the U.S. women can win a third straight World Cup, which has never been done, men's or women's, I'm going to keep repeating it, because the U.S. have a chance to do it this year, that would be, and I don't think I'm exaggerating here, it would be one of the most remarkable achievements in team sports, men's or women's. If the U.S. women, who won Beat Japan in 2015. Demolished Japan in 2015, if you remember that final. Beat the Netherlands in 2019. And you remember the run-up to that final. And the games they played. They kind of had an easy time in the group. But then you get out of the group. Into the round of 16. 2-1 against Spain. Rapino had two penalty kicks. That's how they beat Spain. Rapino scores twice again against France, and Wendy Renard, in the 81st minute, makes it 2-1. That was a nervy end of that game. And then the semifinal against England. England, who, for the last couple of years, have really been investing in the women's game. And we beat them 2-1, because on her birthday, Alex Morgan decided to whip that header in. Press off the chest. Horan, sending it in there, header, goal! Happy birthday, Alex Morgan! And then, y'all, oh my gosh, do one of the most iconic celebrations ever. The tea sipping. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch that video. It's absolutely iconic. Because it sent the entire country of England into, like, this massive frenzy. Oh my gosh, how could she do this? Pierce Morgan, that doof, said it was, he said it was basically a declaration of war. On what? We own you. There's no war. 1776, the U.S. have never lost to England in the World Cup in the men's game or the women's game. Too many facts. And the way it sent that country into a frenzy, the single celebration... And they lost. And they lost the third place game, too, against Sweden. Like, I mean, that's, that's terrific.
But, like, you see why we don't like England, many reasons. In soccer, at least. But, y'all, the way they won in 2015, and then the way they followed it up in 2019, I mean, there's only been four teams, men's or women's, who have repeated as champions. It, in the men's game, Italy did it back in the 1930s, Brazil in 1958 and 1962, and then Germany, of course, 2003, 2007, and the U.S. in 2015 and 2019. None of those previous three teams, though, were able to three-peat. So if the United States women could do that in the biggest game in the world, that would be, that would be incredible, y'all. History is on the line, and I think they'll do it. I have faith in our U.S. women. And also, there's the third place game I guess they should do. I've got Japan and Australia. I got Australia beating Japan 3-0. I think that Germany-Australia semifinal is going to be really good. But U.S.-Germany, I hope we see that final. And I hope we see a result which has the United States adding a fifth star to their crest and a third straight Women's World Cup. I have a U.S. jersey. It's Alex Morgan, by the way, because we're name buddies. But it has the four stars. Do you think they can just add the fifth on there? Do, will they do that? Or will I add the fifth? I don't know. But we'll see. Y'all, I'm excited. Not just for the U.S. matches. It's going to be some really great soccer. A lot of people, I think, are going to be like, oh, it's the Women's World Cup. It's whatever. And they're going to tune in and watch. They're going to be like, I'll watch a couple minutes. And they'll be like, oh, wow, this is really good soccer. Because it is going to be really good soccer. You're going to be really impressed by a lot of these women who are really, really great at the game. And so, y'all, I'm excited for what's about to start on Thursday at 3 a.m. And go for the next month, the Women's World Cup. So there you have it, y'all. That is who is going to win the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 I'm going to have further coverage, of course, on the Xander's Facts social media pages, threads, Instagram, TikTok, all those. I'm going to make a couple graphics tomorrow. That's what I'm doing on Wednesday. Post them before the first match Thursday morning. Check it out at Xander's Facts, of course. And in the U.S., as I said, you can watch the FIFA Women's World Cup on Fox Sports, Fox and FS1 in English, and Telemundo, Universo, and Peacock in spanish just a reminder the women's world cup begins on thursday that is tomorrow new zealand takes on norway at 3 a.m eastern followed by australia and ireland 6 a.m eastern both those matches are on fox and peacock new zealand norway is on telemundo australia ireland is on universo and then thursday night we've got nigeria and canada on fox universo and peacock at 10 30 eastern flip over to friday 1 a.m. Eastern, Philippines, Switzerland, FS1, Universo, Peacock, 3.30 a.m. Eastern, Spain and Costa Rica, FS1, Telemundo, and Peacock, and then the big one, y'all, Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, the U.S. begin their quest for a fifth star, a third straight World Cup when they face Vietnam on Fox, Telemundo, Universo, and Peacock. Those are the first six games of the tournament. Y'all, I am hype. Oh my gosh. And then wrapping up the tournament, third place game will take place on Saturday, August 19th, 4 a.m. Eastern. 
And the final, as I said, Sunday, August 20th, 6 a.m. Eastern, Fox, Telemundo, Universo, and Peacock. It is the 2023 Women's World Cup, y'all. Get hype. It is going to be a blast. So, those are all the facts. Finally, we wrap up all the facts on our Women's World Cup. So many facts, y'all. And now you all know who is going to win the Women's World Cup. Our great stars and stripes, United States of America. But those are all the facts that I have for episode 112 of the podcast, y'all. Thank you all so much for listening to this extremely fact-filled podcast. And remember that if you liked all the facts we had on this week's podcast, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 112, rate and review the podcast. Check us out on all the socials, threads, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts. Sign up to get it in your email inbox every Sunday morning in the episode's description. It's free. You should also check out Xander's Facts on YouTube because all our new episodes get posted to YouTube too. Subscribe, check it out there. And check out the Xander's Facts link tree, which is also linked below because that has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. All the facts you could ever want, and then some, are on the Xander's Facts link tree. So that is it for episode 112, y'all. Those were a lot of facts. Next week, we are doing a Xander's Facts flashback. Not really a new episode next week, but I, I'm probably going to talk a little bit about the Women's World Cup with some new content next week. So tune in for that. It's going to be officially a Xander's Facts flashback. We're going to look back on a past episode because we've had 112 episodes of facts now. So we're going to look back on a past episode, all those facts. I'm also going to have some new content up for you with the Women's World Cup. So you might want to check it out next Wednesday. And then we'll have a new episode officially, episode 113, which is going to come out in two weeks but that is it y'all that is a wrap on episode 112 of the zaders facts podcast thank you all so much for listening and we'll see y'all with episode 113 in two weeks